just open our hands. Jesus, this morning we open our hands. In hopeful expectation, God, that once again, Jesus, you will meet us here in this place as you have faithfully done through all of these years in the life of this church for almost 85 years now in the life of your people for millennium before that so Jesus this morning here we are you know us as we are there's nothing hidden from You know where every single person is at this morning. You know the needs, the cries of the hearts. You know what each one is waiting for, Lord, and looking to you for today. Jesus, I pray today that you will come with a word of life and encouragement and truth that will penetrate, Lord, as that double-edged sword. It will lay bare, Lord, our, our anxious thoughts and our worries, God, and it will come and it will flood us afresh with light and life today, God. Come. Come with your healing grace, God. Savior. Savior. Son of David, have mercy on us, O God. Have mercy, O God. Have mercy on us, Lord. We wait for you, we wait for you. Jesus, come and speak to us, we pray. Jesus, 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 we long, we long for you, we need you today, we need you God, we need you King of Kings, Lord of Lords, we need Come on, just open your hands again. Just open them up. We open ourselves to you, Lord. With open hands, we open our hearts. We open our spirit and say, come. He hears every cry. He holds every tear. He knows all. He is all beginning to end, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. We're going to just continue in this atmosphere, bring the word there this morning. So just invite you to just keep your hearts in this posture to receive. He has a word to speak to us today, a word of hope a word of truth, a word of life. One of the universals of life that all of us experience is waiting. We wait to grow up. We may be waiting for a spouse. We wait for our kids to grow up. We wait at stoplights. In fact, six months of your life is spent waiting at stoplights. 
You wait for people to answer the phone. You spend two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls. <laughs> Waiting in line. That's around five years of your life. And that doesn't even include if you go to Disney World. And we wait for God. I don't know if you know this, but God has a waiting room. You might not find those exact words in the Bible, but the truth is there. From one end of the book to the other, God has brought his people into the waiting room. Can you picture it? <laughs> that great celestial waiting room, a large room stretching out both ways, further than you can see, shining terrazzo floors, marble walls, white shrouded lamps, and countless people sitting in chairs, glancing now and again at the clock on the wall, clearing their throats, drumming their fingers, chewing their lips and waiting. Waiting for God to respond, waiting for God to keep his promise, waiting for God to speak, waiting for God to answer, waiting for God to heal, waiting for God to act. And above the clock on the wall are written these words, how long Oh, Lord. Look over there. You can see Noah thumbing, thumbing through Boating Today magazine, waiting for something called rain. He's not seen it before, but God said it would come and that there would be a lot of it. There's Job, so weak and doubled over with pain and sorrow, he can hardly stay in his chair waiting for healing, waiting for an encouraging word, waiting for someone to help make sense of a life that has been shattered into a thousand pieces. There's Ruth, waiting for a husband, waiting for a kinsman redeemer. There's David, waiting for a promised kingdom. If you get close, you can hear him praying. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. There's Jeremiah, thin and gaunt-faced, quietly weeping, wiping his tears in the cuff of his ragged robe, waiting for some kind of hope that his empty, burnt-out city will ever again resound with the sounds of laughter and songs of worship of the one true God. There's Joseph in the prime of life, a prime specimen of a man waiting. In fact, his waiting was so celebrated that Israel had a hymn about him. It's Psalm 105, verse 16 to 19. While he waited, he faced the tests of rejection and seduction and betrayal and isolation and many others. And there's God's friend, Abraham, one of the world-class waiters. He's gotten very old sitting in the waiting room. 
24 years waiting for a little son whose name would be Laughter, but he's still there because he has a promise in his pocket with God's signature on it. And his friendship with God was forged between the hammer of suffering and the anvil of hope. And so it is with your life and mine. Our friendship with God is forged between the hammer of suffering and the anvil of hope. And this morning, in our study of the book of James, We've come to a passage that speaks to us as it spoke to those that James wrote to about this issue of waiting, suffering, and hope. So if you have your Bible, please turn with me to James chapter 5, verses 7 to 12. James 5, verses 7 to 12, and we're going to be unpacking this scripture together. It will not be up on the screen all at once right now, so if you have your Bible, your smartphone, you're not playing Candy Crush, you're, you're tuning in. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, friends, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, and as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we considered blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my friends, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, or you will be condemned. So I want to begin here this morning, we're going to kind of unfold this passage and unpack it together, and I'm trusting that it's going to speak into our hearts today, and I want to begin with a context that's implicit but very explicit throughout the scriptures, and the context is, is here in, uh, James uses this picture of see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. Now, that may be a little confusing for us because we think of spring and autumn rains, but it's in, in, in that part of the world, it's the autumn rains that come at planting time because that's when the crops are seeded into the ground is actually because of, again, where they are in the, the world and the equator. So it's so it's autumn is when, when seed time, and spring is when harvest comes. So the, the spring and the, and the autumn rains, they're waiting, and it's that in-between time that James is referencing here. See how the farmer waits. Say waits. 
ways for the land to yield its valuable crop. Theologically, we talk about this in these terms, that we live between the already and not yet. The kingdom is here and the kingdom is coming. Which is it? Yes. <laughs> Both. The kingdom has been inaugurated, but it is not yet consummated. So we're living in the tension between those two realities. That's the context with which we, the church, we, the people of God, live our lives here on earth. We live between the already and the not yet, the kingdom that is here and the kingdom that is coming, the kingdom that has been inaugurated and the kingdom that has yet to be consummated. And in that in-between time, we wait. little bit more. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. The Lord's coming is near. In 2 Peter, the Apostle Peter wrote this to a people that were in the middle of great suffering he says, don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Do not forget this one thing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. like the man who was desperate for help and needed financial resource and help and asked God, can you just, I know that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Could I just get even just one small portion, one small coin from heaven, one thing for, for with you, that is like nothing, it's like you know, an extravagant amount, just please, can a nickel just fall from your great throne of grace here to earth? And God said, I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> and we wait. But here it is for us. We live in the reality of the imminent return of Christ. We can be confident that the Lord's coming is near. It's nearer today than it was yesterday. 
And it's nearer today than it was a year ago. And again, we don't know the nearness. We do not know the exact timing of the Lord. But and it's very difficult for us now, 2,000 years out from Christ's death and resurrection and these words of encouragement that came to the believers back then, yet we continue like them to live in the reality of the imminent return of Christ. That's the context with which James is speaking to these folks who are in the middle of waiting in the tension between the already and not yet. But he's saying the not yet is near. The consummation is coming. The kingdom to come is at hand. Which gives us our response. So James says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. He uses a couple of different words here. In fact, one of the words he uses here is one that's used very rarely in the New Testament. And the best way to perhaps translate it is hopeful endurance. He says a little bit later in the same passage here, in the passage we're looking at, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke to you in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. There's that other word that's matched with patience, patient perseverance. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. One is sort of an attitudinal thing. The other is an action-oriented. And together, they, they make up this sense of steadfast, hope-filled endurance. So we're responding to the hope of His coming and we're living in the reality of this in-between place to which we have been born into by nature, by virtue of the fact that we're living between the inauguration and consummation of the kingdom. Our response to that and our response to the hope of His coming is steadfast, hope-filled endurance. Now that's not necessarily a word we like to... I mean, you know, when we're in the midst of suffering, it's hard to say endure. It feels like Job's comforters. But this isn't coming from Job's comforters. This is coming from James, the brother of... Jesus, from the very living word of God, speaking into our hearts the truth of God, which says, in the middle of your waiting, wait with hope-filled, steadfast endurance. Don't quit. Don't give up. Paul says it this way, so all the apostles get at this in one way or another. Listen carefully what Paul says in light of the context and our response. Listen to the word of God. This is the word of God speaking to us. Paul says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, listen to this, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might 
so that, say so that, you may have great endurance and patience. Giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So my question to my heart, even as I was studying this today, and my question for us this morning is simply this. Are we being filled with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding? So it seems to me, let me, let me kind of offer this to you as a thought today for you to consider Steadfast, hope-filled endurance does not come from pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, as it says in Second Hesitations 3.12. Does it? No, it comes from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Thank you, Lynn, for bringing that word to us earlier. It comes from being filled with the knowledge of his will through spiritual wisdom and understanding. So if you're struggling in this place, which all of us do, come on, let's be honest. (laughs) We all struggle here. This is the human condition. What the invitation here then is to is is to know more of God. A lot of times we spend a whole lot of effort knowing more about our problems. (laughs) We can explicate those beautifully. And we just think that somehow if we'll just know a bit more about the situation and circumstance we're in, that that'll somehow unlock the key to setting it free. When in fact... It's knowing more of him and his wisdom and understanding that will be the key to unlock. Does that make sense? I'm not saying don't understand your situation, but I'm saying understand it in the context of who God is. I recently was on retreat, and um, while I was there, I got stuck on this one word. The word is wonder. And, and I, I, I figured something out. Maybe you guys are way, way ahead of me. But I, I discovered that that singular word has two what are almost opposite things. Or maybe they're, yeah, they're, they just seem like polarities apart from one another. Because there's the wonder of worry and anxiety. There's the wonder of well, I wonder how this is going to work out. I wonder if I'm going to be able to do this. I wonder how this is and what and where and when and why. And we all ask all those questions, and it's that wonder that we go through. I love, there's an old, I wish I would have grabbed it. I don't even know if I could find it. But there's an old leadership journal cartoon. They have the best cartoons. It's the best reason to get, it's a Christian ministry leader thing, and it's got great cartoons. So there's this great cartoon and there's the audience out there, and, and the preacher's up there preaching, and there's these little bubbles coming out of people's heads. I, I, I wonder if kickoff has happened yet. I wonder if the roast is burning. I, I wonder if he'll be through anytime soon. 
And then underneath it says, the wonder of ministry. <laughs> I love that. But there's this wonder. But then there's this other wonder. There's the wonder of awe at the majesty and magnificence of God. There's the wonder at his ways. There's the wonder at his beauty. There's the wonder at his faithfulness, at his goodness. There's all of that wonder. And somehow I felt the Lord was saying to my heart, I want to invite you to take a journey from the wonder of worry and anxiety to the wonder of awe in him. And I heard this, that it's trust and gratitude that help us make that journey. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Yes? So maybe this is that journey from wonder to wonder. That's the key to this waiting. That helped me. I don't know if that helps anybody else, but it helped me. Wonder to wonder. And part of that, then again, is is recognizing God's character. Because I love this, James 11, 511b, for the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He's full of compassion and mercy. Moses discovered this when he had his interaction with the Lord, that famous interaction when he's asking for God to reveal himself, and it says, well, as he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love, to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children of their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. This morning, Liz was proclaiming up here the mercy and justice of God kissing You see, it's, it's easier to get caught up in the in the holy wonder, when we understand, when we're full, when we ask God to fill us with the, the fullness of understanding and wisdom about his character, that God, you are full of compassion and mercy. Whatever's going on in my life right now, you are full of compassion and mercy. So here's the takeaway for this piece of our understanding is, is that the Lord is with us in our suffering and responds with his grace and goodness. He's with us in our suffering. He's with us. That's what compassion means. It's two words. Passion means to suffer. Come means with. Compassion. This is Emmanuel, God with us. He came to suffer with us. He suffers and responds with his grace and goodness. That's the mercy of God. And it comes in sometimes really hidden ways. You have to look carefully. 
sometimes defined. But it's there. Now, there's a couple of warnings that James brings here that I think are important and helpful for us to, to also understand. So, Because in the middle of waiting, there's a couple of temptations that James addresses here. There's probably many more, but here's a couple of things that we need to pay attention to. The first is this. Don't grumble against one another's brothers and sisters, one another brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. It's hard not to grumble when you're waiting. I am a grumbler when I'm sitting at red lights. My wife will tell you this. I grumble. I mutter. I'm frustrated. It's like, oh, God, do I have to have the red light anointing today? I really need, don't you see, I've got things to do, places to go, people to see. That's just kind of generic grumbling. But a more pernicious grumbling that can develop is a grumbling against one another where we begin to point fingers at others. Kind of like Adam and Eve where Adam gloriously says when God confronts him, says, well, she did it. She was the problem. Thank you, Adam. It's her. It's her. It's kind of like the husband and wife that have been married many years and he said, honey, you've been with me when we went through that flood 25 years ago and then there was the tornado that came through about 10 years ago and wow, then there was that blizzard that we both faced together. That was five years ago. He says, honey, I've just come to the conclusion that you're just plain bad luck. (laughs) Hebrews 12 make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness no one will see the Lord see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many one of the real challenges in waiting is not allowing bitterness to grow up in our hearts. When we go through hardships and testing and trials, bitterness against God, bitterness against one another, bitterness against people around us. While we wait, we must avoid that temptation of grumbling against one another or allowing bitterness to grow up, which ultimately defiles many. A second temptation, a second warning that he gives is in verse 12 where he says, Above all, my brothers and sisters, don't swear, not by heaven or earth. This is not swearing as in saying bad words, it's oaths. Um, Not by heaven or earth, by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you'll be condemned. Now, what is that about? Well, there's, we don't have time to unpack all of that this morning, but simply in this context, I'd like to put it this way. While we are waiting, this is kind of going back to a couple sermons ago, God willing, Our call is to to simply walk in honesty and truthfulness and entrust the final outcomes to God rather than trying to manipulate so so we could try to put God's name on stuff. People, poor Jesus gets blamed for a lot of things. He really does. Well, Jesus told me. He didn't tell you no such thing. He really didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So we put an oath on it, and we say, well, you know, you know and, we, and, and we think that somehow that, but no. And we think somehow we can manipulate the future that way, and that's the issue. 
we're, the issue is, is that we're all control freaks and we all want to control the outcomes in the future before us. When God says, open your hands, let your, just walk in honesty and truthfulness where you are with what your understanding is and don't try to predict the outcomes because you don't have control over them. That's a hard one. I got a hard time with that. Maybe nobody else does, but, but that's the invitation. So, finally, I want to bring you an invitation to wait today. Oh, we don't really want to hear this. Sorry. You're stuck. You're here. I'm here. I got the mic. All right. Isaiah 40. Why do you complain, Jacob, and why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Don't you know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the earth, the ends, the, of the ends of the earth. Now here, again, going back to the character of God. You're in the middle of the waiting. You're in the tension between the wonder. Why are you wondering? Don't you recognize the wonder of the everlasting God? He's not going to grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope, or in some of your translations will say those who wait, the words are very similar there. It's an expectancy. Those who expect in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So the way I'd like to unpack this for us as we close, and Gene, I'm going to have you come up here, and Gene uh, Swenson is going to come on up. As we wait on him, he may grant us the grace of rescuing us from our suffering. That's the mounting up with wings like eagles. We all like that one. That's, that's the child reaching up to mama and saying, hold me. Sometimes we get the grace of collaborating with us in our suffering. That's the running. They will run and not grow weary. And then, for some of us, it's the grace of enduring in the face of unrelieved suffering. We walk and not faint. This morning we're going to watch, well, actually, we're going to watch this first. Sorry, so, Gene, you can turn around and look up at the screen. Um, and we'll come back to you in just a second. This morning, we're recognizing the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. In your bulletin, you've got an insert that has a couple of prayer countries, prayer focuses. I'm wearing something from Pakistan today, just a visual reminder. That our brothers and sisters around the world are suffering and they're waiting. And it wasn't all that long ago, maybe two or three years ago, uh, when Gene went through a, uh, Gene Swenson, who's one of our leaders here, went through a very serious, I mean, she's, as you know, Jean here, she's a quadriplegic. Um, she has, deals with different health issues on a, a fairly consistent basis. There's seasons of, of good strength and health, and there's other seasons. And there was a particular season where for about three months, Jean was laid up in bed without being able to get out of the bed. And I would go and visit Jean, and I remember, the, I think, one of the first times that I went to see her, she said, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm really grateful because while I'm laying here in bed, the Lord is reminding me of our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted and suffering around the world, and I'm praying for them. 
But the reminder, and I know that that's something that Jean carries in her heart deeply. Jean's situation is such that the Lord has seen fit up to this point not to bring her that physical healing here on earth, and yet she walks in incredible wholeness in the Lord. So we're going to show you a video, and this is uh, something for us to set this time of prayer up for us. This is a true story, and um, Leanna and her family are still safe, but one day when they were out, they came home, and they found their home all broken into and scrawled on the mirror, we will slaughter you. So let's pray for Leanna and others like her. Heavenly Father, we come to you, the God of grace and compassion, sovereign God, and we lift up our brothers and sisters to you. Lord, will you remind them of Jesus' words who said, blessed are you when men persecute you and revile you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely in my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so men persecuted the prophets who were before you. Lord, remind them to keep their focus on you, on that eternal reward. Like Leanna said, we may have to go through some pain and suffering and blood, but that you will be with them. Lord, may our brothers and sisters now who are in difficult, dangerous situations feel your peace and your presence with them, the hope, the hope that they have in you. May you give them courage and strength to be your witnesses, to be your ambassadors. Lord, we pray that you would comfort those who have lost loved ones, who have lost their homes, their churches, their way of life, who can no longer live where they grew up. Lord, those who are in refugee camps, we pray for those who are in prison. Lord, we pray for their humane treatment. We pray for their release. We pray for opportunities for them to witness to their persecutors. Lord, may they remain strong. And Lord, we also pray for the persecutors. Lord, we're reminded of one persecutor who hated, hated the church, who lived in this area, and on his way to Damascus, he encountered you. Lord, we thank you how you changed Paul from a hater and persecutor of the church to one of the greatest evangelists theologians, teachers, ambassadors ever. Lord, we pray today for those who are on the road to Damascus, on the road to Mosul, on the road to Baghdad, that they might encounter you. Lord, we pray that you would transform them. We know that we're not resting against flesh and blood. These are people who've been taken captive by the enemy to do his will. But Lord, you are greater so we ask that you would bring good, pour out your spirit on those who are persecuting your church. And Lord, we pray for us 
those of us who are living in situations where we have the means to help our brothers and sisters. Lord, you say that we are all part of your body, and when one part suffers, we all suffer. Lord, we are in this together. Remind us of this, that you have not blessed us so that we can live in luxury and peace and entertainment. Lord, help us to realize that you have blessed us so that we can use our resources and our time for your kingdom purposes. Lord, remind us to pray for our brothers and sisters every day, not just on the National Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, but every day. Lord, show us how we can get involved in meeting their material and emotional needs. Lord, we thank you for organizations like Voice of the Martyrs. Will you bless them in their work among the persecuted and put on our hearts how we can support these organizations. So thank you, Lord. We thank you for, as the song we sang earlier, that you bless us in times of goodness. We bless you in times of goodness, and we bless you when the road is hard. So, Lord, thank you. We bless you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to close the service here. The scripture we're going to be unpacking next week, it's the next part of James 5. So he talks about waiting. And then he says in verse 13, Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any of you sick? They should call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. This morning, um, I'm going to ask our elders to step out right now. If our elders would come, I'm going to ask if you have a need today, I know I've talked to a couple of you in specific need uh, healing in your bodies. And uh, our elders have oil. And maybe you don't need healing in your body. Maybe you need healing in some er other area. We're going to simply do what the Bible told us to do because it's really good to be obedient. And invite you to come and receive prayer. And you're in the waiting room, and it's hard. And you're saying, how long, oh Lord? You know, whether the suffering is persecution or the suffering is hardship and difficulty, whatever that hardship and suffering is, God is greater. And it's your need that He invites you to bring to Him. So come. If you need this morning, come. I'm going to invite you to come. Step out right now. Step out right now if you need healing. Come on. If you need the grace of God, if you're some situation, circumstance, your body. And now, may you be filled afresh this very day with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, 
with the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours as you go from this place to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with the banner of His favor over your lives. And until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home, I pray that His love and goodness and mercy will chase you down every day of your lives. In the name of Jesus, I bless you, people of God. Amen.